Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you for joining the Mortcast. Sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Before I get started on today's Morecast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Boisee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Um, it's a great time of year to be drinking wine, let me tell you something. Uh, like I said in my last podcast, I I have been enjoying some uh, wines. I don't have any Blanchard with me, but that is my go-to wine. Um uh, basically, their Cabernets are the best I've had, I think, at least right up there. They have their own vineyards in Sonoma County, California. So they basically ship the, whatever they get directly here to Denver. They only have two locations, one here in Denver, one here in California. Um, I really, really, really enjoy the Cabernet, but they also have great Pinot. Um, they have Rieslings with a partnership from a uh, Western Slope winery called Storm Cellars, which is like I've... I've said this over and over. I'm, I'm, I don't really care for Rieslings, but theirs was really good. Uh, the Western Slope really specializes in Riesling wine. Um, but if that's not your bag, they've got other things. They've got uh, wine cocktails. If you are just kind of wanting to dip your toe into this, full charcuterie, uh, socially distanced tables outside in the dairy block. I would take advantage of that right now before the weather turns cold. Um, it is mid-September, and about right now till about uh, the first couple weeks of October is basically perfect Colorado weather. Take advantage of that right now. You will not regret it. It's right in the middle of the dairy block. You can also do virtual wine tastings if you're like me and you can't go out to these things. Absolutely take advantage of that. Those fill up fast, so uh, get out there and get to bfwdenver.com and book yours because those go really, really quickly. Um, they are on, it's just, it is one of, it's an amazing experience and I highly suggest everyone go there. If you're a wine fan like me, there's no better place in Denver than Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. I'd also like to tell you about my friend Andy Feinstein and Exto Event Center. Please support our friends at Exto Event Center, located in Denver's vibrant Rhino Arts District. Exto Event can host a safe socially distanced event for up to 25 to 175 persons outdoors, underline, underline, and up to 100 persons indoors. If you are interested in hosting an event for a corporate gathering, fundraiser, client appreciation, birthday or anniversary party, or basically a morale-boosting happy hour, which, let's face it, we all need right now, Exto would welcome the opportunity to be part of it. Please visit extoevents.com for more information and book your private event today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mortcast. I, uh, I don't know what to say. It's Game 7 time, people. It is game seven time. Ain't nothing like game seven. Nothing, nothing like it. We have 
a uh, we have a situation where I think we uh, we've been through this as Nuggets fans. The Nuggets have won uh, two of the three so far they've faced. Uh, this is their fourth. Um, this seems to be a common thing with the Nuggets. They need to take it seven games. Uh, it's almost like they know that it's seven games, and they think, you know what, we're going to play all seven. Uh, <laughs> so here we are. Um, I am going to avoid the analysis and breakdown of the series, and I kind of want to focus on two things that have come up the last couple of days. Um, the Broncos played last night, and they, they laid an egg in a colossal fashion in the last couple of minutes of the game. Obviously, that is going to be the subject of whatever's happening in Denver today as of this recording, which is, you know, Tuesday morning. Uh, that's just going to happen. It's going to happen in Denver. We know it. We've accepted it. Um, quite frankly, it deserves to be broken down because it was atrocious, and I've never seen such poor clock management in my life. But that's a subject for another day. The Denver Broncos uh, generally are will be the story in Denver regardless. Um, and as is the case in the national media, uh, the, the Clippers uh, are the story. And it has been a very interesting time to listen to podcasts struggle to spin a narrative that is Clippers-focused when they have collapsed so much. And sometimes they make that easy, you know, like, look. A collapse, you know, it kind of writes itself, and it's very easy for people to credit the collapsee because they are favored coming in, and I, I think that that's just, I've said this over and over, but I believe by and large national media members, they're not lazy, but they are victims of not having watched every team, and, and nor can you watch every team intently. We have the pleasure of watching the Denver Nuggets like narrow focused for, you know, the entire seasons or over multiple seasons in my case. Um, it's just what we got. Well, I wouldn't say pleasure at times, but it's, you know, we have a relationship with this team and it is what it is, right? You be, you be, you build a bond with a team based on how you are, uh, when, when you became a fan, you know, my, my case was the late eighties and it really bonded me in basically about 93, 94, where I just was a Nuggets fan for life after that. Um, regardless of that, there's a difference between being a fan and an analyst. And, 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 and I don't blame analysts for being lazy. Um, because it's just you, get, you just cannot watch intently every team. You just can't do it. Um, obviously, I that there were several podcasts I listened to that... Uh, after, and this was, this was on uh, Monday, that I wa- listened to. Actually, I listened to two, and I had to turn them off because it was weirdly Clippers-focused to the point where uh, it started to become insulting, so I turned them off. Now, there was a big brouhaha online, particularly Twitter, about why this happens. Now, let me. I, the reason I brought up the Broncos today is something that uh, is a philosophy that I've had for years. And it has been this simply the 
way the Nuggets are treated via the national media is what it is, and they ain't going to change, folks. The Nuggets went to the 2009 Western Conference Finals, and the next year they were on national TV, I think, slightly more. But let's face it, uh, they weren't highly regarded even then. They were on national TV more, but they were treated as a cute story because that was when the Lakers were winning championships again. The Boston Celtics were good again. It was in that, and it was in that period right there where it just, it just the Nuggets weren't getting that kind of attention. And, and, and let's face it, they wouldn't have unless they got went to the finals. And even then, it would probably be treated as a fluke. Where it has upset me most is the way the Nuggets are treated in town. Okay, I can, I, I, if you accept the way the Nuggets are perceived on a national scale, you've got to double down with local coverage, you've got to double down with the local thing. Now, things have been slightly better only due to the fact that there is a pandemic and it threw everything off. Um, the local coverage would not have improved if the Nuggets weren't playing and weren't among the first teams to be back along with the Avalanche. Uh, that wouldn't happen. If this was a normal year, uh, even in the playoffs, the Nuggets would be getting, you know, they're getting probably the requisite amount of coverage now. But if it's regular season, you have to fight, fight for coverage in Denver. You know, even in the off season. The Broncos are covered, like, obsessively. There's a horde of local media, and I do mean a horde of local media that cover the Broncos. Uh, if you, and I, I tell you this, lifting it behind the curtain, uh, there are, oh, I would say probably about seven or eight consistent media that cover the Denver Nuggets. Um, that's not counting columnists. That's not counting some, you know, uh, um, news, uh, uh, TV news, which is they can't cover everything all the time. But they do send cameramen. I mean, and it's it's not it's not a thing that's uh, necessarily, you know, it is what it is. Now, back when there was two newspapers, there was more media coverage of the Denver Nuggets. Um, that's a 100% fact. You had a newspaper war going on. But even then, this, as the sports pages were shrinking, so were the sports staffs. And they prioritized for the Broncos. As soon as the Rocky Mountain News folded in 2009, uh, the Denver Post prioritized everything on the Broncos, basically. Uh, just you hear stories from people who would work there in the past, and the shrinking coverage of other teams was abhorrent. Um, but it is what it is, right? People just learn to accept it. There's about seven or eight people who consistently cover the Nuggets uh, on a daily basis. I am not one of those people I used to be. I, I don't get down to, well, pre-pandemic days, I don't get down to Pep Center like I used to. Um, I am a credentialed media member. I made as many games as I possibly could, um, under my current circumstances. And I made it to as many practices as I could, but I just couldn't be there like I used to. Uh, but there is a dedicated team of people, uh, people at Denver Stiffs, 
the NVR, you know, other other uh, blog outlets, and the Denver Post uh, has Mike Singer there, and it's just it's that's the core. The Denver Broncos have, I think, on a daily basis, twenty, maybe a little over, and it makes you wonder how you can get that many stories out of that many people that go down there. Um, I just, I, I never understood it at their peak, uh, in the recent years, in the modern era in 2000, in the 2000 teens and 2015, when they went to the Super Bowl, uh, I'm sure there was at least 30 to 40 media members there. Um, it is what it is. Uh, even in the Broncos down days, that's, it, it, it's just, that's way the, the nuggets have had to fight tooth and nail for coverage in a town and it's basically started when John Elway got here. Let's 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 not make any let's not make any pretense about this. The way the Nuggets have been covered in Denver really changed when John Elway got here. Um, it wasn't even during the '77 run of the Super Bowl. Um, I'll I'll reiterate this, and I wrote an article on this. The Denver Nuggets basketball team was better before the Broncos were good. And they made a run to the ABA Finals in '96. They were the won 50 games in '77, and they won. They were went to the Western Conference Finals in '78. Uh, that was a tremendous run of basketball. Denver Nuggets and the Broncos were fighting tooth and nail for coverages, and then, then they were the only two professional sports. Well, other than the Colorado Rockies hockey team which was terrible and, and didn't get much coverage back then. Uh, so really it was those two teams and then the, the uh, Rockies left in about 82, I think. So that really was that sense. But John Elway gets here in 83 and it just, it just really, i got to tell you folks, there's been a ton of revisionist history about how these the, the the things have been covered. The Broncos have always been popular, even back to their terrible days in the '60s um, and the '70s, early '70s. But they didn't. Uh, the Nuggets were here in '67, and both of them had to kind of compete for attention because they both played at the same time, basically. Um, but it didn't get so one-sided until John Elway got here. Once John Elway got here, it was the nail was in the coffin. Uh, and it's been that way. And John Elway got here in 83. So we were talking almost 40 years. You're <laughs> almost 40 years ago. And it has been that way ever since. And we're and let's be perfectly frank about it. It's just been that way ever since. Um, and in a way that it's hard to compete for attention... You have to be perfect, and I don't know if any team can survive under that standard. That is Denver, and that is always what has concerned me more than uh, national media coverage. You know, this Nuggets team has a chance to be the first team in history of, I believe, professional sports, not just the NBA, of coming back from multiple 3-1 deficits in uh, a uh, playoff run. Think about that for a sec. You know, the Nuggets are never going to win the battle of media coverage 
uh, in the national sense because there's two L.A. teams out there. And there's a team from Boston. And there's a team from Miami in these playoffs. Uh, you think the Denver Nuggets are going to compete with that? Ain't no way. And most of these media outlets have spent a lot of their time covering these other teams. Even though the Nuggets were good, they haven't been covering the Nuggets. So I don't know if you can blame them for having a Clippers-centric bent. Because this team was almost ordained as a collision course with the Lakers from the beginning. They have seen the Los Angeles Clippers more than they have seen the Denver Nuggets. And I am not going to look askance at that. It's irritating, and I'm not going to say it's not irritating. Like I said, I listened to two podcasts. One of them was the Hoops Collective, and that was just absolutely embarrassing how they went through that podcast. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for them. And that's how bad it was. How dismissive they were of the Denver Nuggets. Seriously. But if you accept it as a fact of life, it becomes less irritating to you. The Nuggets' perception in Denver, however, should bother you. And I'm hoping, you know, fingers crossed here, I am hoping the Denver Nuggets, if they pull off this miracle here and come back from multiple 3-1 deficits to win series, that maybe the Nuggets wouldn't have to fight tooth and nail as much as they do to get more media perception. On the other side of this ad break, I'm going to talk to you about what the, the Game 7 and how I feel it will play out. But first, DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes, they are a sponsor of CSU Podcast. It sure was nice seeing teams back out on the grid, gridiron after, uh, this uh, past weekend. And in fact... Uh, Unfortunately for Broncos fans, maybe uh, last night, we didn't really want to see what happened there. But regardless, lucky for us, that's just week one. There's no better place to get in on the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, To add to the excitement of week two, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head on over to the App Store now because you won't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users a chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. $1 can turn into $100. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you can cash in a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? Uh, Look, I'm not a betting man, but even that is tempting. That That is a tempting offer. Uh, go on over to DraftKings Sportsbook and kind of check that out because they got a little bunch of all, you know, other features that you may want to look at too. Uh, I, I am told, and I know my radio partner uh, Nate Lundy has taken advantage of it and is a uh, consistent DraftKings um, supporter. And he will, he would, if he was on here, basically be encouraging you to go there right now. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code MHS when you sign up for this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week two, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use the code MHS during the sign-up. 
For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Draft Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Game 7. I I think I, I've heard a lot of from Nugget-centric podcasts, a lot of a lot of in-depth breakdowns of this, a lot of in-depth breakdowns of what they believe Game 7 will look like. Um, my philosophy on Game 7 has always been throughout all the analysis, throughout, throughout all the presuppositions that you had and concentrate on one thing. It is a one-game elimination. Everything that happened in the six games prior is meaningless. Uh, people need to learn their lessons from the 80 to 78 Nuggets victory uh, in uh, Game Seven in the last round. Uh, that was a people called it a rock rock fight. I called it a brawl. Neither team could hit any shots. Uh, it was just it was just different from the rest of that very high scoring series. You get to a Game Seven. Uh, this, the de- desperation increases. The intensity increases. You don't. You won't find the same kind of thing happening in Game Seven that you did the rest of the series. I've seen this multiple times. I'm gonna give give you an example. One of the reasons I fell in love with the '90s Knicks was they took the 1992 Chicago Bulls, which is the best Bulls team, by the way, by far. Forget that 72-win team in, in 1996 that benefited from expansion. No. Talk talk about that 92 Bulls team, uh, which was amazing. Uh, one of the, it was a juggernaut team. The 92 Knicks, which I 91-92 Knicks, which I believe was Pat Riley's first season as coach. They still had Mark Jackson as a point guard. Um, they had Gerald Wilkins as their small forward. That tells you how far this goes back. Um, they had Xavier McDaniels playing uh, powerful. Uh, excuse me. They had Gerald Wilkins at the two, Xavier McDaniels at the three, uh, Charles Oakley at the four, and of course Patrick Ewing. Um, they took the Bulls to seven games in the semifinal round in 1992. Right. Um. Game seven rolls around, and each of those games, by the way, were basically like fist fights. Each game was like within 10 points generally, except I think game six, the the Knicks won by about 15 at home. Patrick Ewing gave one of the best performances I've ever seen from him, but that's another story. Game seven rolls around, and the Bulls win by like 30. It was such an anti-climax to the rest of that series, right? Uh, in my experience, Game 7s are one of two things. Either completely close and so razor thin that you think you're going to have a heart attack. Or it's a blowout. There's only two, there's only two outcomes on Game 7s. There's no ho-hum games. There's either a big blowout or a... Like one of those games where like the games... I think Game 7 against the, the Jazz, you saw what it was like to see basketball in the 90s, uh, uh, seriously. 
I think it was even a little worse offensively than what we saw in the 90s, to be honest with you. Um, but there's only two things. So I'm, I'm, I forget all the analysis. None of it matters. None of it matters. I think, in my view, this game is going to come down to Nikola Jokic and Kawhi Leonard. Period. And if those two are having a great game, you're going to have an epic game. If only one of them is having a great game, I tend to lean on the side that uh, says that there's going to be a blowout for one side. But if both are having a great game, you could see an epic Game 7, which is kind of what we all want. Obviously, we want the Nuggets to win. That is first and foremost. But this Nuggets team has shown a lot of fight, and I don't anticipate them allowing themselves to have a, a repeat of Game 1. You know, This is going to be a knockdown, drag-out fight. And in my view, and uh, we'll see. I don't have a good, feel, good enough feel on this game to predict it. I don't. Um, the Nuggets won the last two. Uh, the last two have gone in a weird way. You know, Nuggets come back from big deficits in both games. And in the interesting part was game four, how the, the Clippers let go of the rope. Everyone, except for Kawhi Leonard, let go of the rope in the fourth quarter. And it was a weird thing. I don't think I've ever seen a team uh, that was leading by 19 get so thoroughly dominated like that. Uh, it's just like they knew they, 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 the game was lost. Uh, I, I don't know what to say for this Game 7. All I know is I'm looking forward to it. I hope the Nuggets win. I hope the Nuggets win. And I hope that I'm doing a quick Mortcast afterwards telling you how much I love the Nuggets. I hope that's the case. I'm not going to predict it because every time I predict something, it's the gifts of death. So uh, that's not going to be me, this podcast. <laughs> anyway, tonight is the game. I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, this has been Jeff Morton of the Mortcast, and I'll be talking to you soon. Goodbye.